trust everyone is uh, getting all excited about a new month and Wednesday night getting into a new book. And uh, I think we'll finish up one of our segments, finishing about concerning God's Word. And if you'll turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22, we'll finish up this one little section and we'll move on and maybe by next week finish up the book of 1 Thessalonians. Then, then you have Brother Chris for a while. I hope he's all geared up. <laughs> Knowing him, he's way ahead of us. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 22. Abstain from all appearances of evil. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you, Father, for the songs that have gone up already. And I pray, prepared our hearts for what you'd have us to learn. And Father, as we look into your word today, I, I pray that it will just be useful to us. And we thank you for that. Thank you for each one that's here. Thank you for the blessings that we have of meeting in a building that, that we can just faithfully uh, just study your word. We can fellowship together. Do pray for the, uh, the children's class. I pray that it's a blessing to them as well. And thank you, Father, again, just for the opportunity to share the gospel. And I pray that you have your will and way with your word today. And we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, the Apostle Paul, I think, here, as we're talking about uh, his commands concerning, you know, as we, we went through, we talked about concerns for the leaders, because this is a young church, and uh, not the youngs that we have here, but a, a very young church in age. And realizing that many of the leaders were actually men that were amongst each, uh, each one of them and, and how they needed to be um, to learn uh, or, or were placed in a, a position of authority. And some people resented that. And then we have uh, the uh, for concerning others. And there were groups amongst the, that church that, were, th that needed a lot of help. Others uh, not because of... Uh, problems that they had or things that ran into but some of them actually put them upon themselves they decided i'm not going to work the lord's coming back why should i work uh there's other people here that can take care of me and and people like that others that were just fearful of that time uh, just as today we have people that are fearful for the situation that we're currently in and we'll use that uh well not as an excuse but we'll put them in a situation where they're concerned and they just need a lot more prayer uh, and, and concern from others. And then, of course, uh, when you talk about concerning God, the relationship uh, with God, how is our relationship? How the, we're, we're not to, uh, to, to give thanks for everything. It should be thankful. And here we're, we're talking about concerning God's word. And as, as we started out, it talked about not quenching the spirit and that we're not to despise prophesying and and we're to prove all things we're just not supposed to just oh well you know he's a very learned man i just have to accept it there might be preaching heresy or i might be preaching something that might not be right aligned with the bible and we're thankful that we have the the, the printed word of god that we can go to and we can check people's uh what they've taught and of course today we're talking now about abstaining from all appearance of evil and this is one where people can start splitting hairs on things 
and can, and can actually be dangerous and be divisive. And when, when you think about that, we're, we're supposed to, in abstaining, we're supposed to hold ourselves off from some things. And while we don't have this list, uh, it's interesting if, if you were to, to think about uh, things that are evil in and of themselves, there are plenty of things going on around us that are just blatantly evil. And it's, it's they're, they're just known to be wrong. Well, we know murder's wrong. So therefore, in that same line, we know that abortion's wrong. And things like that, those are obviously wrong things. There are many things like that out there. But uh, there are things that, uh, that may come up that might cause maybe some reasonable doubt. You know, and, and when we think of evil things, we can kind of generally categorize evil things like you know, places to go, things we do, things we hear, things we uh, can see. You know, we could probably categorize some evil things that could be in there. Uh, there's some things dealing with uh, appearance or actions. Some hobbies. Some, you know, some people might be really good at something that's just outright evil. Uh, you know, I think if we were growing up in Appalachia, some people would think having a moonshine still would not be too evil. It's a source of income to some people. And some people write it off as being okay and acceptable. Who knows? But, you know, it's, it's really what, what, what the Lord's trying to do is, is get people to think about, look toward the Lord. Brother Chris pointed out about the imminent return and just reinforced that review with us so that and we know as Bible-believing Christians that the Lord could call us home at any minute. It's imminent. We don't have to have something happen prior to that. Some, you know, we don't have to have all these signs and stuff going on. All the, we have plenty of signs of end times around us and things going on. But, you know, he wants us to be ready and, and to build up for it because in the next couple of verses we're going to be talking about, you know, how how we want to put ourselves in other words sanctification but here he's talking about things which are wrong wrong to do and when he says abstain like it says hold one's back hold one back or restraining ourselves and it says from every form of evil and as as one person uh, put it, it says while there may not be a clear command from god the safe and proper rule is to lean always on the side of virtue so one person put said, well, if you have to ask a question about it, it's probably not right to do. Should I do this? Okay, well, you can always go to the Lord in it. But, you know, there are certain things that will, there's not a sin committed with it, but, but nothing's ever wrong from abstaining. Maybe it is questionable. Remember in, in, uh, in, in the book of Corinthians, we were talking about the liberty that people have in the Lord, where maybe I can partake of certain meats where another person that might have come from a pagan religion where they were offering things to idols that might not settle too well with them there are others that they can come up with all sorts of reasons and they use the law of liberty to to step in and say well you know because I'm a Christian I can just do all this stuff 
Well, no. Remember we talked, I think, last week about proving all things. I'm going to go out and test everything there is to check to make sure that it's not good. Well, I've done enough damage to this vessel <laughs> in my lifetime, and I'm sure each one of us have. So, and some of them were probably things I should abstained from. But I didn't know any better. But here's one thing to think about. Of all the considerations, we need to consider our Christian testimony. That's the one thing. It may not be openly evil to do things. I mean, I teach pastor about he likes to go fishing. But, you know, he's at least nice enough to not go on Sunday mornings. <laughs> the fish are probably biting better then. <laughs> I don't know. Deer hunting, same way, you know. They, Sunday mornings, those deer, they know when you're in church, so they're going to go out and roaming around. Although I, had, I, I saw a story of a guy, he went out, he went out deer hunting, went up to crawl up into a stand, looked up, and there was a bear sitting in. He goes, I guess I should have been in church today. <laughs> so, but, but those things, you know, there, there are so many things that we, we, as a Christian, need to think about before we do them. What is the impact? Is it wrong doing this? Or rather, we should be asking, what is right and positive about doing this? And both the wrong behavior and behavior which could appear wrong should be avoided by any conscientious Christian. And there's some out there that, that don't care. We had a friend of ours. Um, he, he kept trying to get us involved in four-wheeling. Well, he usually went off down the southern coast on the dunes. When did he do them? On the weekends. I says, we can't be doing that. You know, we, we're in church. We'd love to do it. He worked during the week. Of course, being retired, we didn't. He says, well, you, 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 can, you, know, you don't have to be there every Sunday, do you? Yes, we do. We believe that when the doors are open, we should be in church. And that's just the relief there. You know, Romans 14, 21 says, it is neither good it is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine or anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. That should be one of our considerations when we, when we look at abstaining from all appearances of evil. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, of all, th all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. In other words, if, if you have a hobby, hobbies are great. Sometimes people get so obsessed in hobbies that they become their little God. They take the place of God. They all of a sudden start taking care of, uh, taking away from maybe their prayer time, Bible time, study time, church time. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that people like to get involved with that seem to happen when church doors are open. And to go to there rather than, the, than the, to be with God is something to consider. First uh, Corinthians 10, 31 and 32, it says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, whatever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews nor the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. And, you know, like I said, you could split hairs on what would be considered evil. If it's going to take you away, your focus from the Lord, it might be evil. 
might be something to ask you your question. Should I be doing this or not? And that's where what the Apostle Paul was trying to get them to think about, the Thessalonians, to understand that there are a lot of things that go on that really are not evil, but could be become evil by replacing things of the Lord. It should be the other way around. Um, some of the canned music that we have um, came from uh, uh, faith music, and, and, and their motto is replacement theology, so to speak, or replacement ministry is what it was. They wanted people to get some of the music of the world out and to replace it with good Christian music. And even some of the Christian music you have to be careful with. What is it, uh, contemporary Christian music? I think what is it, Chris? A lot of groups are coming through. They sound really good. But if you talk to some of the artists, it's like, yeah, same music we used to play when we were, we were heathens. We just put some verses to it. You know, so it's they try to make things look different but the thing is is we need to be careful all appearances of evil where we go maybe we go to an establishment that um, well some places serve alcohol a friend of mine he will not go anywhere near a place like that because that's what he came from if uh, one place he used to always go to after lunch or after church to have lunch with his family, they started serving beer in there. He said, told the manager, he says, you know, I've been coming here for, I don't remember how many years, he says, and you've started serving this stuff in here. He says, uh, he says, I'm sorry, I says, I can't come here anymore. You know, it made such an impression on that man that he says, I'm not getting a liquor license. I'm not serving beer here anymore. This person came there every Sunday had, a, had brought people in there and was so faithful that this person says, nope, I'm not going to serve that. So he had an impact on their lives. We don't know what impact we have on, on, on lives, on, on others' lives by where we go. People are looking at us. They're looking at us where we go, how we act. This is a perfect time to find out how much you love the Lord. We're under some interesting stresses. The church is being bombarded on a regular basis. We've heard it on the news. You can go to the casino, you can go buy liquor, but you can't go to church. Or if you do go to church, you can't sing. Or if you go to church, you can't have the total number of people you have there that, that you would normally have. I'm thankful for the, for the governors that says, hmm, no, we're not going to have that. Your churches are open. Churches are important. We're being challenged. Some people, well, they might use this as a time, well, I don't have to go to church now. I don't feel pressure to go there. You should never feel pressure to go to church. It's, I look forward to it. I, I feel completely out of sorts if I miss even one service. Not because it's all of a sudden obsession. It's because that's what God expects of us. So abstaining from all appearances of evil, it's it's so very important in our lives and again we could split hairs but again the other hand is if you have to ask about it maybe maybe you shouldn't be doing it something to think about in in our life and and how we work with you know concerning god's word god's word should give us the guidance for it, it should tell us what to do and then moving to the next one the apostle paul's concern is is his uh there we go his his concern is 
for the people in verses 23 and 24 and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly and I pray God your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it and here the apostle Paul is asking the Thessalonians to look carefully at are they being set set aside for God's work? Are they building up or working on their sanctification? Not that they're going to be perfect in this world. And it's such that we he wants not only just you to go to church, but he wants you to, to be all of you. Your, as it says here, your whole spirit, soul, and body pre, be preserved. And it's talking about we're a trinity our body is a trinity and I don't know if any of you get the acts and facts or, or have gotten them um, or uh, maybe have uh, read any of Dr. Morris's uh, writings and stuff but he has a really interesting concept and I know it's in his Defenders Bible and it was reprinted in one of his articles back in 2005 about the Godhead and it happened to be in the notes on uh, Romans 1.20. And he goes through this beautiful explanation, as best as a man can explain the Trinity. And in a nutshell, that portion is people think of, you know, the Trinity as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we know they're three and one. Some people go, well, that mathematically that's like one plus one plus one equals one. And they'd say, no, oh, that doesn't work mathematically. Well, he says, well... How do you get to one out of three? Well, he goes one times one times one is three, is one. You know, we have unity. But God in his infinite wisdom created the universe in a trinity. And the article talks about it, and I'm gonna talk about a couple of, a few things through here in, in the bit of time we have left. And it kind of zeroes in on verses 23 and 24. And what it is is that what's called a tri-universe. Well, we think he created time, space, and matter. Well, that's three and one. And the in uh, the Roman one twenty note, and that might be a, a study for a later date. He explains where each one of those is equal to each part of the Trinity, and we're going to see it here with man, where he, he points out that the that our soul is is the part of the person that is the actual life that energizes the body which is the material component that others see hear and touch and he draws an analogy but with with the uh, from Leviticus 17:11 that the life of the flesh is in the blood and from the article it talks that the, the life in this verse is the same for soul and of course Doctors have known for years, scientists have known for years that the blood circulation throughout the body is a means for life in the body. We stop blood flow, we stop life. You know, it's like one person commented, he goes, you know everybody dies of a heart attack? Their heart stops. And of course they stop living. Well, I guess that's a, a nice way to put it. And then the body's spirit, uh, on the other hand, is the body's breath. We talk about... Uh, the, What's the Hebrew word for, for uh, spirit and breath? It's nu, nu, nuah. Nuah. Ruah. And, and it, it, 
and when you apply it within the Greek side, uh, pneuma is it? Pneumatos. Well, pneumatics. And I'm real. I understand that Charlie knows real a lot about pneumatics. So does uh, Brother Chris. But you know, air, that breath, and that's what it's talking about. And and what it's it's used here is uh, in Hebrews 4:12. Part of it says, which says that the word of God is quick and powerful, quick. And it and and the emphasis is that it's alive and powerful, that it's energizing, and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. You know, so we we look in there, our spirit, it's presented in, in, in such a way that we've been given that breath of life from from Christ. Well, the analogy as you look at this is the Trinity is obvious. The soul uh, is the the life of the body. It's unseen and intangible hmm, who's unseen and intangible god the father here but nonetheless the very basis of a person's existence and actions with obviously if we were created without that you know if we don't have a soul what what good's that well the, he even goes into this article and talks about the animal soul and application of that and the body is the visible and tangible manifestation of the soul who who's that similar to that's christ we saw Christ. He, he manifest. They could touch him. They knew it was there. And then the, the spirit of the person, it, it, a lot of times is like the soul. A lot of people combine the two. But it's the invisible, intangible, but, the, but it very real in its capacity to interact intelligibly with others, especially with God, including also the ability to make moral and ethical judgments. Well, who is that? The Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's, that's how we kind of presented it and it's you know and when you think on that you say, well that's probably pretty close to that well if we were created in God's image then well if he's a trinity he's going to make us a trinity except for he's given us that free choice in which you know we're able to make decisions where some of the animals they, they just they have instincts and they say you know explained in there about how animals are and, and, and their life and and that but it's this whole idea of trinity throughout the whole universe that god created this thing three was a purpose and you know and of course these orientations or, or correlation to this is not perfect but it gives us at least an, an idea because you know we're in a, in a in a single body well the godhead is a single unit with three individual specifics. And the same with, you know, our human body. If, you know, if our breath goes away, well, we're not going to be living very long. You know, how long can we go without air? You know, I know Navy SEALs can hold their breath for six to seven minutes. <laughs> I'm good to make it 30 seconds. <laughs> Takes practice. But, but you know, w w without that, that breath in us, we're not going to live very long. And, you know, somebody, when they don't, when they have a heart, when their heart starts moving, stops moving, uh, beating, and they stop breathing, they have a certain amount of time before brain damage kicks in, if, if they can revive them after that. Damage occurs. Well, that's needed there. So when we, when we think about all of this, you know, no model can ever be perfect when the original, of course, is God. And it's, it's always fun to watch people that build models. They enjoy looking at the, the real thing and then building a model of that. 
Well, if you look at them, there's always a certain a little bit of a difference. That's why God created each one of us. Each one of us is just slightly different. And it's for those personalities he puts in there. Maybe that's that fourth thing that's going on there. In reality, you know, the, the Holy Spirit, each one of those, those three as they spoke, they spoke as one. And they all agreed on things. They, create, they, they, they made decisions long before this world was ever created. I can imagine that conversation going on, telling the son that you're going to have to die one of these days. And he's going to scratch his head and goes, what's that? He says, well, you're going to find out. <laughs> but but when, when we realize that we're in his image, the, the trinities, uh, as, as the article says, pervading the creation may not be the perfect reflection of God the creator but they're good and realistic models of the triune God who made them it would seem there must be some good explanation for this remarkable fact other than coincidence I don't think so a plausible explanation would surely seem to be that they were deliberately created by God to help us understand at least in some small degree his own triune nature so when we study that and we read and of course Schofield's got a nice explanation of man's trinity of why each of those components are there and how they equate to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and with that when we look at that, this is the very God of peace sanctify you holy and I pray your God your whole spirit, body, and soul be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ he wants us, our whole body to be continually getting ready for the Lord's coming we'll never be fully prepared we'll never be fully ready but we should be watching and ready to go not waiting you know like some of the Thessalonians were well you know I'm going to be watching and waiting for this so I'm not going to go to work other people could take care of me no that's not what he wants he wants us to be doing this while we're still working because we're going to find out over in 2 Thessalonians about people that don't work. They shouldn't eat. Kind of tells us what we should be doing with our welfare system <laughs> in, in many ways. If they don't want to work, then they don't eat. It's harsh, but that's what God wants. He wants people to be working if they're able to be working. We read about the miracles that happen with, with so many people. Uh, the, the man at, at, at the Bethesda Springs where you know, they didn't have any money to give the man, but he told him to get up and walk. And he did. A miracle occurred. So he, from then, he wasn't begging anymore. He was able to go to work. We think of people to help them get to work. There's nothing wrong with people having assistance when they can't get through something, but should never be reliant on it. And that's why it's important that our, our whole bodies be ready be working if we can, waiting for the Lord to come, making sure that we're, we are becoming more and more sanctified. In other words, that, that life of holiness to get better and better. You know, we, we tease ourselves each year. Are we better this year than we were last year? Are we living closer to the Lord this year than last year? And, and it's for us to understand that it's important that we always be progressing toward that. Not sliding backward, but be progressing forward. 
You know, that some people, well, you know, I've been ill this year. I haven't been able to do that. That, I think, would draw me closer to the Lord. And as many of us get older and older, we start looking at, toward that. Lord, when is that day coming? It's imminent. It could happen any minute. And we're, we're to get ourselves. He preserved us. You know, I think of, of the uh, comparing it to, uh, you know, making... Uh, jams and jellies or preserving vegetables what happens we we put them, a lot of times put them in a hot bath so that they'll be as clean as possible and when that lid gets put on tight we hear that popping sound it's sealed we made jokes about uh, some food that my great aunt had in her house that we knew were canned back in World War II it had galvanized lids on them we looked at them and they were in pretty good shape, but it's like, I don't think we're going to trust that or not. We'll just kind of not let her see us take this stuff away. And uh, might have been good. I wasn't going to open it to find out. But we know that we are preserved, perfectly preserved. That when we step into heaven, the whole idea that God has for us planned is that we progressively get more and more and closer and closer so that when that transition happens, it might not be drastic. Kind of curious, you know, looking at uh, when we make that entry into heaven, that transition from the mortal body to the immortal, what's going to be the thought in our mind? I don't know. When it happens, it's probably going to be a surprise to some people. Others others just going to be, thank you, Lord, for that. But then we, we look at verse 24. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. And that takes us to Philippians 1.6. It says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What God, God started in our lives when we got saved, he's not going to stop halfway through. He's not going to abandon us. Some people might say, Well, God abandoned me. Well, maybe that person ought to look at themselves and say, Well, why do you think God abandoned you? Because God started something, he's going to finish it. His creation, he created it. He knew all the steps that were going through there. You know, he knew that his plan is perfect. He knew that if he gave man a free will, he was going to make that mistake because he saw it with, with Satan and his group. He wasn't going to change anything. He knew from the beginning that we were going to fail. He knew that Jesus Christ had to come to this earth to die for our sins. He knew that as this, the, the concept, you know, and it's amazing with a project, and Brother Brian can probably explain very carefully what a project, when it starts out as a concept to when it's finished. And I hate to say it, but most engineers are never finished with their project. They always want to tweak it. <laughs> <laughs> I love Brian's no different. I, I, I love him to death, but they always want to play with it. It's not quite ready yet. But I keep telling the engineers, it's got to go to production sooner or later. Do you want to get paid for what you were doing? Well, thankfully, God had the perfect plan. He conceived it. He perfected it. You know, he, he began the work with us. He designed it. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. It wasn't, it was deliberate, intentional. It was not by chance or haphazard. It was because he had some object that was worthy of his, his attention. 
His creation. Then executing the plan. There was no reason why he should not begin such a work and, and then abandon it. So that's why Christ came on the earth. To show that there was only one capable of living a perfect life. Everybody else wanted to accuse him of, of all sorts of other things. But when they, when they really approached it and thought about it. They said, well, we can't find anything wrong with him. But... If they would have accepted him, sooner or later there would have had to have been some sort of sacrifice. It was written in the, in the scriptures. That executed plan was for Christ to die on the cross, raised from the dead, and then completing that plan. And, and, and what's interesting in watching engineers design things, there's always a phase where they gotta modify something. Or they get through there and realize, ah, this isn't gonna work this way. Well, not with God. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew that as, as he was going through, he was not going to have to change his mind on anything. Yeah, we look in the, throughout there, it's talked about God repenting, but he knew exactly what was going on. You know, when he, when he talked to Moses a lot, he and Moses, somebody said that if, if Moses and God ever got on the same page, <laughs> we, they just started out with a new, a new creation. But... <laughs> You know, it would have been God and Moses talking about, okay, we're going to make them this way, God. He goes, yeah, well, I'm sure he will say, no, 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 Moses, we're going to do it this way. There were no modifications needed. There was no revision needed. And sad part is that there are folks today that are saying, well, God really did change his mind. He was going to do all this stuff. Back in the Garden of Eden, he, he made Adam and Eve perfect, and then, then he had to change it when, when they sinned. No, he knew what was going to go on. He knew every way that doubt. It's a promise kept when we think about that. He promised to keep the renewed soul for eternity. And when we accepted Christ as our Savior, our soul got renewed. It got completely changed over. I can look back like what I used to be. It's nowhere near like what it is today. And I'm thankful for that. John 10 uh, talks about, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give, them, give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Back to those evil things. We can't sin enough to be thrown out of God's hand no matter what. Only God. And we know that he can't lie. It says, My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And we can go through Scripture after Scripture after Scripture and those promises that are there. What he started, he's going to finish. And I'm thankful that those of us in this room that know Christ is our Savior, are going to enjoy that time when we get called up into heaven. And we can look forward to, to that blessing, knowing that that's a promise and it's a promise kept. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your blessings. We thank you, Father, for your promises that you tell us that one day you're going to call us home. And Father, I'm thankful that for those that do know you as Savior, that we will escape that wrath of the tribulation that Brother Chris pointed out to us weeks back. Father, I'm thankful that while you are taking care of things on earth, we will be in heaven 
learning what we need to be doing properly. Everything will be fulfilled for us. Our salvation will be completed. The sanctification will be completed. We will be ready to do what you'd have us to do in the millennial time. But Father, I do thank you that while on this earth we have the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us, to show us how to uh, avoid the evil, that we will, by the best of our abilities and listening to the Holy Spirit, will live a life that will be honoring to you as we walk on this earth, that we will be a testimony before men, that we will be a walking gospel, ever ready to share the gospel with somebody that needs it and be able to see them come to know you as Savior and be ushered into the kingdom. And Father, we thank you for this, and we know that it's only to glorify you, and we ask it in Jesus' precious name.